When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back to Silver Fortune. Today, I want to take some time to debunk some of the most common myths about silver and gold. Namely, myths that people will quote as a reason to say that silver and gold, specifically physical silver and gold, are not a great investment or not a great asset to buy. These are in no particular order, but let me know down below in the comment section right now what some of your favorite myths are, or at the end, Leave a comment down below and let me know if I missed any because I probably have. This is just off the top of my head. But let's get started. Number one, this is one that I hear pretty often actually from uh, so-called financial guru, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has a lot of great things to say about getting out of debt. However, he's not a fan of gold, not a fan of silver. And one of the big reasons that he gives for that is that it is too volatile that the price is too volatile. Now, let's be honest. Compared to stocks, no. It's it's generally less volatile than stocks, less prone to major crashes. Compared to bonds, is it less volatile? To some extent, I mean, if you're just buying bonds for the yield, then yeah, but the price of bonds fluctuate over time significantly, huge swings, and so it's not necessarily volatile. I mean, financial assets are volatile. You know, for the average investor, maybe the least volatile asset you'll own are, well, one of two things, cash and cash equivalents and your house. But real estate fluctuates from time to time, certainly depending on your market, and cash and cash equivalents, they're actually pretty stable right now. The dollar, the euro, a lot of the major currencies, they're not super volatile right now. However, they have a very clear trend of where their value is going, and that's down. I mean, there's not a whole lot of certainties in the world. Was it Ben Franklin that said the only certainties in life are uh, death and taxes? Well, for a very long time now, you could add to that list depreciation of the dollar or whatever fiat currency. It's almost a sure thing. And yeah, there's cash equivalents that, that you can collect a bit of a yield on. Now, right now, it's maybe going to keep pace with the, the official uh, stated inflation number, but oftentimes it doesn't. I mean, really, if you're going to argue that cash is less volatile than silver and gold, at face value, you're right. However, silver and gold have a long track record. If you're looking over the long term, not one or two years, but one or two decades, actually pretty stable. Pretty good at keeping track with inflation and retaining their value over a long periods of time, especially if you extend that horizon beyond one or two decades. Cash, on the other hand, has a very long history of losing its value year in, year out. 1%, 2%, 5%, 10%. Inflation varies, but it's almost a sure thing that's going to continue to lose its value in the future. Next myth about gold and silver. They don't perform well. Oftentimes you'll hear this as a, a number like 
since 2010 or since 2011 or since 2012, silver and gold are down such and such percent or down such and such percent per year on average. And that's true. However, that's not, that does not mean that uh, silver and gold are perennial underperformers, perennial money losers, because those are cherry pick numbers, right? From time to time, you'll also get silver and gold bulls that will say such and such about silver and gold being up a certain percentage total or per year since 2000. And that's a cherry picked date as well. I mean, you have to understand that the bull market, a major bull market started for silver and gold around the year 2000, 2001. And a pretty significant bear market started around 2011, 2012. And so that's going to skew the data. You need to look at this over the longer term. You need to look at this going back to various states. Look at 2010, but look at 2000 as well, and 1990, and 1980, and 1970. And if you look over the long term, you'll find that, yes, silver and gold have done a very good job of, of retaining their value over a long period of time. However, history would also suggest that they're due for a pretty significant move up, that they're undervalued right now. And that's another major myth, though, that I hear quite a bit, those cherry-picked numbers uh, that are, hopefully, if you have a decent knowledge of the market, can easily be uh, debunked. Uh, the, the next myth that I want to talk about here is the idea that owning physical silver and gold is inherently unsafe and irresponsible. And this one has a bit of a valid argument. The idea behind this is that if you own silver and gold in your own house, you're putting you and your family at risk of theft and potentially bodily harm or death. Because, in theory, if somebody finds out that you have a lot of silver and gold in your house, some people, depending on their morals and their moral compass or lack thereof, would be willing to come to your house when you're at home and, and potentially cause you harm or when you're away and, and steal it. A totally valid argument. But it doesn't mean that silver and gold in its physical format in your own possession are a no-go. You know, a common theme on this channel is if you don't hold it, you don't own it. And I think that is so true for precious metals. I think physical possession of some sort is incredibly important. Now, you'll get different opinions on what that should look like. For some people, it's burying it outside in a hidden location, your own yard or somewhere else. For others, it's hiding it in plain sight in your house or maybe a large safe or maybe a small safe, a hidden safe, whatever. There's a ton of different options to, to protect that silver and gold from burglaries, from theft. However, maybe the most important component to this is keeping your mouth shut. Only letting people know that you trust family members, close friends, etc. Now I'm in a different position because you know I have my podcast. A lot of people know about my podcast. A lot of people probably know that I have some amount of silver and gold. Actually, it's just silver. I'll admit that. That shouldn't come as any surprise to you guys. However, what I can say is that there's very few people besides me and my wife, if any, that know exactly where it is. Is it in my house? Is it buried on my property? Is it buried in a nearby state park? The world may never know. But it, it, the point of what I'm saying here is that keeping your mouth shut it, it can, can go a long ways. 
And the idea that yes, it's at risk for theft is not a valid argument to steer away from it entirely. And that brings us to our next myth, that owning silver and gold in a vault or buying SOV or GLD, which are basically paper contracts that that move up and down along with the price of silver and gold, are essentially the same as buying physical silver and gold without the downside of the potential for theft. Bogus argument. It's a myth. And it goes back to what I just said there about if you don't hold it, you don't own it. There's plenty of cases of of fraud in the past regarding usually smaller companies that allow people to, in theory, buy some amount of gold or silver and and have it housed somewhere. Many of them have fallen apart. People have have gone to jail over it. Yeah, all that has happened. But I know what many people are thinking. This company is a trusted company. Or SLV or GLD contracts. What's wrong with those? I mean, those are, are huge. There's no way that those are a fraud. But an important thing to keep in mind about silver and gold is that when it comes to physical possession and, and this idea of paper contracts or in a vault, it's oftentimes the case that, yes, even if delivery is available from, from a vault or from some paper type of silver or gold, other than SLV or GLD, which don't really allow that for the average consumer, it's at the time in which that delivery is maybe most important, which is also the time in which it's going to be most difficult to get it. I'm talking a major breakdown of society, grid down situation, martial law. I mean, the list can go on and on for about the reasons why you would probably want to get that silver, that gold out of the vault into your own hands. But those are going to be a period of times in which it's most difficult. Or how about this? Let's say the U.S. government uh, or whatever government you're in. Uh, under Canada, Japan, China, Australia, UK. Let's say they put in an order for a variety of reasons saying silver and gold uh, private ownership is illegal. Well, I I find it unlikely that they're going to come door to door and take it from you. However, a lot of that silver, a lot of that gold in those vaults are easy pickings. And that's exactly the time in which you'd want it in your own physical possession versus the vault. But you're going to be left with basically no way to to actually get it in your own possession. And so, again, that's sort of debunking that myth there. If you don't hold it, you don't own it. Physical ownership is head and shoulders above any sort of paper, silver, and gold, or that housed in vaults. Now, for some people, I'm not going to totally disavow it. right? SOV, GLD, uh, you can speculate on the price much more easily with them. Uh, silver and gold housed in vaults, that may be appropriate for very, very wealthy individuals. But I think for the vast majority of my audience, I just think physical possession makes so much more sense. Now, on the topic of physical silver and gold, let's talk about premiums. This is another big myth. The premiums for physical silver and gold are just too high. And that when you ultimately sell that silver and gold, those premiums are going to ultimately cut into your profits. Now, there's a like so many of these myths, there's a limited amount of truth to that, but it in no way should dissuade an individual from buying physical silver and gold, unless they're buying it on a speculative purpose through SOV or GLD, in which case they're, they're going to be trading with basically no premium with that trade. 
and and maybe that's better for them. But for everybody else that is subscribing to this theory of or this idea of a philosophy of if you don't hold it, you don't own it. That premium can easily become a very small portion of your overall picture. And what I mean here is, if you're, for instance, if you're stacking silver, you can easily get generic, plain old silver coins, silver or silver silver rounds, silver bars for at or less than a dollar over spot. For gold, you can get gold, especially the higher amounts, not the fractional gold, but a full ounce and whatnot or more, for $15, $20 or less over a spot. It's very, very possible with some patience. Now, yes, government coins are going to command a bit of a higher premium, whether that's American Silver Eagles or Canadian Maple Leafs or whatever. Yeah, they're going to have a premium much higher than just the generic stuff. But with that premium comes a little bit more notoriety, a little bit more legitimacy, liquidity that is associated with those recognizable designs. People are more willing to to buy them without potentially testing them. They have a little bit more utility in a, uh, we'll we'll just call it an SHTF scenario. I think I referred to it as the Boogaloo in one of my recent podcasts. Uh, Whatever the case might be, it's going to be a little bit easier to get rid of those uh, government coins than it will be the generic stuff. And there's a bit of a benefit associated with that. There's also the idea that a lot of those coins, uh, because of their rarity, can appreciate in value, can command a higher premium when you ultimately sell them. But as a whole, the premium can become, uh, it can be overcome through buying at a lower premium over uh, over spot, as well as being very mindful of how you sell it and, and taking your time selling it versus just getting it off your hands as quick as possible. Because if you do that, you're probably going to pay uh, a pretty penny for that because a lot of people will be buying that silver or that gold for for far fewer, you know, a far lower premium than what it than what it ultimately deserves. Another major myth about silver and gold that, that should hardly dissuade you from, from actually buying it. Here's another one that sometimes I think is is put out there by government or maybe a larger government or by by uh, individuals that may be you know, a big fan of government or whatever. Right now, it's not a super big myth, but I think it's going to become bigger in the future as silver and gold uh, kind of return to uh, their their proper status in the, the whole hierarchy of, of what is money and what's not. Is that silver and gold are an asset for for criminals, for tax evaders, for preppers, for all of that, right? Um, that silver and gold are easily used by, I don't know, Mexican cartels, drug smugglers, human traffickers, whatever the case might be. I think this is going to be a, a myth that is going to be perpetrated more and more in the coming years, much like it is right now for a lot of cryptocurrencies. Now, I mean, the fact of the matter is that that shouldn't dissuade you from using silver and gold, especially if you're not using it for those means. I think the vast majority of my listeners, the vast, vast majority of people that are looking to buy physical silver and gold are none of those things. You guys aren't human traffickers. You guys aren't like pimps or like sex traffickers or anything like that. Drug dealers, none of that, right? Probably. I'm assuming most of my, my viewers don't fall into those categories. Imagine a lot of you are hardworking individuals that, that try and steer away from crime, that are just looking to protect yourself financially. The fact of the matter is that the the asset or the money, the currency, whatever, of choice 
for smugglers, for human traffickers, for drug dealers, for money launderers, embezzlers, whatever. The world over is not silver. It's not gold. It's not Bitcoin. It's not Litecoin. It's the U.S. dollar. I think it's extraordinarily hard to to put numbers to this, but I would gander a guess that the vast majority, upwards of 90% of all of those illegal practices are carried out in fiat currency. Maybe not all the dollar, right? There's plenty of other currencies that, that can be used instead around the world. The vast majority, though, is carried out by fiat currencies. The very currency that many uh, governments and central banks would much rather prefer for you to use as opposed to silver, gold, Bitcoin, whatever. Another myth, debunked. And finally, silver and gold are outdated, they're ancient, or as uh, former Fed chairman Ben Bernanke infamously said, a barbarous relic. A relic from the past. Silver and gold are for the Egyptians. I'm not quoting him anymore at this point. They're for the Egyptians. They're for the Romans. They're for the old British Empire. But they're not for today. Not in the internet age. This is a myth that's spread out there a lot. But I will remind you that right now, in the real world, China, Russia, and a whole host of other countries are stockpiling gold, physical gold, central banks buying gold. India is importing, I did, I did a video on this very recently, a massive amount of silver. In August, they imported, I think it was like over 15 million troy ounces of silver. Something like almost 20% of the, the supply coming onto the market, in theory, in that month, went to India. And yeah, some of it's used for solar panels, for electronics, but a lot of it is used for jewelry and for wealth preservation, bullion, coins, rounds. I mean, you look around the world, JP Morgan, they have a massive account of silver on the COMEX, over 130 million ounces. Silver, this is not some old commodity, some barbarous relic right? It's money. Silver and gold are money. And that's really the big theme of so much on this channel and even this this podcast itself. Silver and gold represent real value, real money. And there's going to be those that say it's outdated, right? Much like, you know, sometimes you'll hear that the analogy of uh, comparing silver and gold to, I don't know, the, the horse and carriage, right? And obviously very outdated form of transportation. Silver and gold have been around for thousands and thousands of years. They've been used as money. And today they retain that value. They're the ultimate hedge against the continuous decline of fiat currencies that I've discussed here. They're the ultimate hedge against uh, uh, stock markets crashing, bond markets crashing, the entire financial system coming apart. Because with every single asset that is owned in one of those systems whether it's cash in a bank account, your 401k, your IRA, your own personal investment account on Robinhood or E-Trade or whatever you use, your pension fund, your social security, 
your Medicare, all of those funds have what we call counterparty risk. And they come apart if somebody else fails to fulfill their obligations. Social Security, Medicare, yeah, those are already going bust. But it's going to become even worse if taxes continue to fall, tax income in the future falls significantly. 401ks, hey, what if the financial institutions that run those fall apart? Pensions, hey, what if the state goes under? I mean, pensions are massively underfunded already. What if it gets worse? Those all have counterparty risk. They're all dependent on somebody else staying alive, keeping the business running, not totally collapsing. And I think that's a very risky proposition when when we're talking about individual savings, their livelihood, their retirement. Silver and gold in your own physical possession has no counterparty risk. The only person that is responsible for keeping that silver and gold safe is yourself. You're not beholden to a bank staying afloat and not defaulting. You're not dependent on a pension fund staying liquid. You're not dependent on a currency and the central bank that, that prints that currency manages it from inflating it away to, to a tenth, a hundredth of its current value. That's the case for almost every other asset out there. For silver and gold, none of that is true. I think that's something that people really have to understand if they're going to ultimately protect themselves and their wealth during uh, into the coming years. As always, thank you to every one of my supporters, my listeners, for listening to this podcast today. And God bless.